couple of quick softball things. The 404 writes, the softball schedule in non-conference is much weaker than last year. Don't take this wrong, but my gosh, I hope so. That was the most challenging non-conference schedule I've ever seen in my life. And this is no cake. This is no walk in the park. You might see, oh, Louisiana Lafayette, McNeese State, Central Arkansas. Those are really good teams. And the Big 12 adding three more softball-playing schools for the final year helps out in the scheduling. So I, you're not wrong, but in the end it's just – they don't have to fill two weekends. I guess three, right? You don't have to fill three weekends with a and or have a bye weekend. You, you go. So yeah. Um Chapstick writes Lake Charles is a complete crap hole. Sorry, you have to go there. Any trip I get to make with Patty Gasso is a good trip. I M H O. And my buddy Drew England writes, Plank, you talked me into it. I'll be there. April 16th. April 16th. The artist formerly known as Pool Store Vince and his wife will be at the game. There you go, Vince. I'll see if I can't get some tickets to give away, too. Would up. Uh, Talk about April 16th, by the way, for those that missed last hour. Oklahoma and Tulsa are playing at the, at the uh, Hall of Fame Stadium. And my point was, I, I'd like to see a crowd like Texas. Would Oklahoma have seriously thought or entertained playing Nebraska? Oh, I'm sure, yeah. I just don't think it – I don't think that they care. <laughs> and, in fact, when you when you think about it, Josh, after this season, whenever Oklahoma graduates 10 players, there'll be like, what, maybe three on the squad that actually played with Jordy Ball? Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, uh, you know, for softball, you've got the Washington games big. Yeah. In the Puerto Vallarta challenge early. Yep, down in Mexico. But, uh, you know, Wisconsin should be good. Where's the made-for-TV, let's-grow-the-game game for Oklahoma? I, I don't hmm. know that I see one outside of the Washington game. Probably the World Series. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we've seen this. You know, like Virginia Tech and Iowa, women's basketball got together. They right. they threw it together. That thing was not put together until this past summer for the Allied tip-off. You know, I, I'd like to see a little bit more of that. Oh, okay. not, not from Oklahoma's side, just from softball in general. Give me some made-for-TV stuff. You know, because they've started doing some of those early season midweek games. Uh, I like your idea, 918-416 softball spring game. Well, it's a Tuesday. I don't think we can talk Brandon to doing the spring game on a Tuesday. Coach! Can we do the spring game on a Tuesday? Speaking of Brent Venables, a lot of good stuff from his presser yesterday. Do you want to – can we save the Dylan Gabriel conversation till next segment? We may. Okay, so we'll we'll save the the Jackson Arnold red shirt and the Dylan Gabriel conversation. I, I, I have had a conversation with Dylan about his future off the air. And I don't – well, as, as vague as everyone is about it, I don't – I think he's kind of done with college, and that's not a knock, but I I think I think he's ready for to try the NFL. I really truly do. But who knows? Jeff Lebby gets a head coach's job, then maybe he goes with Lebby. I don't know. But we know this much: Brent Venables 
Well, we'll get to that coming up next segment. Brent Venables has a very soft spot for the history and tradition of college football, and BYU is included in that. I promise you. I promise you. Well, yeah, I mean, Coach uh, Edwards, obviously, um, he's a, a legend and a Hall of Famer, and uh, he won. That's what I remember. <laughs> he won a lot, and he did it with great quarterback play and, and uh, a great culture, and uh, that game is obviously it's a, it's a really good game uh, despite having some guys injured uh, both before the game and during the game. Uh, big, physical, mature football team. You know, that you're going to have to be ready to have it strapped up. Uh, they're going to bring it. They're going to play with passion and physical toughness, mental toughness. And uh, they're going to fight for four hours. And uh, so uh, nothing's going to come easy. Brent had a very, very lengthy opening statement. You want to go through it? Sure. All right. If there's ever a point where you want to jump in, let me know. I'll wave. Okay. This was to kick off the press conference yesterday. That's a lot of BYU. Here's a lot of OU. It'll be a, a quick trip and uh, obviously really important. And we haven't played well on the road the last couple of, of outings. And so um, really working on ourselves and the things that we need to do in order to win, uh, give ourselves a chance to win here this week. Um, BYU plays really well uh, at home and um, they're expecting uh, – they're starting quarterback back here this week, along with several other guys that have missed the last few weeks, in, in, including uh, uh, freshman running back L.J. Martin and uh, a couple of receivers uh, that have missed the last uh, few weeks. They play really aggressive on defense. Their turnover margin uh, has been the best in the Big 12 when they've played at home. And uh, 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 offensively, um, Again, they've got good, strong running backs. I've got a, a left tackle that will, will get drafted early. Um, again, a quarterback that in the Slovis that uh, career-wise is just south of 12,000 yards uh, passing and uh, threw for 360 yards against Kansas in a really uh, tight game. They've beaten Arkansas on the road, uh, got after uh, Cincinnati, beat a, a Texas Tech team that – um, just a few weeks ago, um, they beat a Texas Tech team that you know went down to the wire with Oregon. Got after you know BYU. Uh, had a great game against uh, Kansas State. Uh, beat TCU uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and again beat Kansas uh, last week. So um, they're a little bit kind of like us a year ago, and that, you know just a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde, and, and play. You lost a couple of really uh, tough games, but. Uh, you know, it's a, a, a place that'll, um, you know, they'll be full, uh, you know, they create a lot of noise and a very passionate fan base and tremendous uh, tradition in, uh, in college football. So uh, we expect their best. They've got a really, uh, uh, um, again, aggressive defense and uh, Tyler Batty uh, defensive end for them, uh, number 92. He's really had an outstanding year, a very, very disruptive player. And uh, starting corner, uh, number zero, uh, has had four interceptions. And like I said, they're very opportunistic at home and um, going to be a, a really good, strong challenge. Really proud of, uh, again, our team, uh, the way they responded after two tough, uh, disappointing losses. And uh, played really, really well, uh, offense and defense, and and had some adversity on defense. And I liked how we responded 
in some tough situations. That's really kind of who they've been uh, all season long. And uh, tough, uh, physical, uh, get after it defense that, you know, when their backs are against the wall, they, they've responded. So uh, we'll need to continue to have a, you know, tough mindedness about us mentally and physically. Again, going on the road this week, Dylan and uh, Drake, obviously, uh, you know, they were uh, two of our standouts uh, on offense. And uh, congratulations to Dylan for uh, being the Davey O'Brien, you know, national uh, uh, quarterback of the week. And also along with being the, you know, offensive player of the week. And again, Drake, uh, some of the things that, you know, he's been able to do this year uh, for a coach's kid, uh, you know, caveat. Uh, leads the Big 12 in, in uh, receptions and uh, touchdown receptions as well. And uh, again, the last couple of weeks, he, he leads the nation uh, in receptions and uh, in touchdown receptions. Uh, but again, Dylan has, has done outstanding all year. Um, you know, total offense, uh, 341 yards a game. Uh, has passed for a little over 300 uh, yards a game, 36 touchdown uh, uh both running and throwing and completing a little over 70% of his passes. And so uh, really, I don't, I would be, I, I don't send out a whole lot of, uh, you know, great jobs and fist bumps and man hugs. I, uh, I usually look at the flaws and the areas that we're, we're weak and where we need to be better. Certainly um, uh, that's who I am, but I, I would like to just recognize, you know, uh, Dylan becoming, you know, a top 10 player in FBS history. Uh, as well in several categories. That's a that's a big deal, and um, I said on my radio show, you know, last night, you know, this is a place that's represented um, a lot of offensive superlatives, justifiably so, uh, in college football history. Uh, we've been there's been a bunch of good ones uh, to say the least, and uh, Dylan ranks right there alongside those guys. So uh, Dylan will be the first one to tell you that it takes you know it takes everybody. And, uh, you know, an offense and a defense getting them the ball back and a, a play caller that every once in a while uh, puts them in a good position and uh, where they're able to, and then every once in a while overcoming some of the offensive uh, play calling. Just tongue in cheek there. Uh, <laughs> right, no, throwing nobody under the bus or anything else. Um, just trying to have some fun along with recognizing, you know, some excellence that uh, the achievements that a couple of our players. Uh, you know, have done in the middle of the season, and uh, and those are guys that are incredibly hungry. Uh, certainly, far from satisfied. Uh, rather embarrassed uh, when I bring it up in front of the team, and uh, more determined now than ever to you know to uh, to to finish the right way. And and that's again what uh, to me what what we've been able to overcome uh, the last several months, uh, as well as uh, you know. Uh, defining, you know, this team, Team 129. By um, oh, it, no, no, let me. I, I shut. I shut that down too. This team, Team 129, by by how we finish. So, <laughs> this team, Team 129, by by how we finish. So, great, great challenge for us. Really excited about um, these. Just the next several days here, we got a quick turnaround and a very unique, uh, short week uh, where we have to manage all of that really, really well here uh, to be able to, you know, playing three games and. A little more than 12 days, uh, you know, managing all that. But uh, we do have a good uh, competitive uh, depth that I think will will help make a difference for us as well. Sorry, 
I was a little my space bar, which is the stop, was a little bit itchy there. Itchy trigger finger. I like Garen Emig a lot. He's one of my favorite dudes on the planet. But did we really need to open up with a question about the coaching carousel? <laughs> coach, why do you coach? It's like, bro, it's November. That was, that was the second question. It was. Oh, I'm sorry. The first question was, uh, is it worth it? Is it really? I mean, why do you do this? It took a long time to get there, though. It did. I mean, and I understand maybe he wasn't expecting it to be the first question out of the gate. He was asking about the firings. Right. Is what he was asking. But I also kind of think you go in with a plan. I think you change your plan whenever you're first called on. You're like, dang, man, this is we're in season here. Why are we having a conversation? Why are we having a June conversation to start the press conference? What are we doing? Well, everybody uh, is looking for a specific quote. Did we uh, did we get a BYU question yesterday? Outside of the elevation. Right. Eric Bailey asked about the tradition, which was the first cut we had played. But that was about it. We didn't get a lot. There wasn't a lot of Keen Slovis questions. No, or, which. Understood. We don't even know if he's going to play. BYU in conference games is the worst offense in the Big 12. They are the third worst defense. Yeah. Conference only in the Big 12. So this team stinks. Oklahoma ought to go down there and make it look that way and wax, uh, you know, BYU in their home stadium. But you never know. Got to go earn it. And I understand the arguments that Britt Vittables was trying to make. Hey, turnover margin, BYU, much better uh, than anybody else, right, at home in that regard. Slovis, if he plays, 12,000 yards guy. Uh, If you can take anything from this, they did win at Arkansas. They uh, have beaten Texas Tech, which uh, seems like a little bit of a crazy result given the last month of the season. So, yeah, there's – there's reasons to be on guard, right? It's a, mm-hmm. now a Power 5 opponent, and yet this this is not a good football team. No, absolutely. Absolutely not. Um, I'm sorry, Garen. <laughs> sorry, G. <laughs> but it's just – I think he was even surprised. He's like, oh, oh gosh. Because everyone only gets like, – Every once question, in a while, yeah. those nerves set in. It's like, ah, it's like a three-minute question to get there. Um, how about Gavin Sawchuck? And what Gavin Sawchuck has done. Here's what Brent Venable said about what he's seen from Gavin and his emergence over the last few weeks. And maybe more specifically over the last game, or last two weeks. Well, I do think that there's something to um, getting in a groove, if you will. Um, I don't know what that's like. Um, if I'm trying to get a linebacker in their groove, I'll just blitz him in the A-gap <laughs> and uh, usually disrupt something. I think running back's a little bit different than that, and there's a time. By the way, I would. that is an awesome answer. That is an awesome answer. It's like, is this a matter of Gavin Sawchuk kind of really getting in the groove? Um, I mean, as a defensive coach, I'd just take my linebacker and blitz him in the A-gap. It's like, all right, buddy, you're in the groove. <laughs> Usually disrupt something. <laughs> That's fantastic. That is a good quote. Uh, all right, here we go. To um, getting in a groove, if you will. Um, I don't know what that's like. Um, if I'm trying to get a linebacker in their groove, I'll just blitz him in the A-gap and uh, usually disrupt something. I think running back's a little bit different than that, and there's a timing aspect. There's a practice aspect, an element that's important, uh, getting hit and the timing and how to how blocks move and things of that nature. Again, I just um, – you asked the question, so I'm kind of thinking through it, but I think all of that is important. And then um, – 
again, I think surround the players surrounding them are a big part of it too. But uh, so battling back from, you know, kind of a nagging injury and getting in the flow. And it's not easy because as a coach, you're trying to find out who's most ready right now in this moment. And there's one running back on the field at a time. So having some patience along the way uh, for Gavin, you know, he's got a great support system, amazing family. And, uh, you know, DeMarco uh, does a good job of holding guys accountable and letting them know most, most of the time, I think they know exactly where they stand and what maybe they need to work on. So, uh, but good for him from a, from a maturity standpoint and being prepared for his opportunity and then hanging in there and, and getting a little bit better, you know, the more that he's played. All right. Quick break. Stat, you caught your eye or were you just looking up numbers? Just looking up numbers. Ah, yeah. Man. On BYU. Just curious how bad they were. And, uh, my bias was confirmed. They, uh, they, they do stink. Go watch the Iowa state game. Just go watch it. I mean, it's go watch the West Virginia game. It's shocking. I've seen, I've watched for some reason, I find myself watching a lot of BYU football and it almost looks like it's not a BYU football team. And I hope that Oklahoma can go make it look that way. Yeah. Because that, that's been what it is. And if Slovis is back, that of course is going to be, that's a big lift, right? From not having him the past two weeks. I get all of that piece of it, but uh, you, you really should keep it looking fairly similar if Oklahoma is sure. anything what we think they are. So the big story from yesterday's presser was was kind of twofold. Um, well, actually one full. Brent Venables found out that Drake Stoops was a <laughs> candidate for the Burlesworth Trophy, but the future of the quarterback position was discussed. We've had conversations about it on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. Let's hear what Coach had to say about it next right here on The Ref. I thought there were uh, – my big takeaway from the – press conference yesterday was what I felt was a really good conversation and kind of at, at three points, three different points here in the press conference about the future of the quarterback position and the now of the quarterback position. Um, Dylan Gabriel has another year if he wants it. As I've said many times in the conversations I've had with Dylan Gabriel, the minimal ones um, off the mic and the mini ones on the mic – I get the sense it's a guy that is playing his last year that has no desire to come back to college football. But you never know. Brent Venables was asked, hey, what are those conversations like? Have you had conversations knowing he has another year? Have you talked to him about or is there a thought that he could come back? Now, it's interesting, the timing of this, too, because yesterday we got the Quinn Ewers news, right? We got the news that uh, or at least the report that Quinn Ewers might come back next year. Here's what Brent Venable said about Dylan Gabriel. I mean, I don't, I don't know. We, we haven't had those conversations. Uh, I kicked the court out. Let me start this again. I mean, I don't, I don't know. We, we haven't had those conversations. Uh, he's played a long time. He's been through a lot, and uh, I think a year ago maybe uh, the talk was, you know, he had a he had a good year. You know, why would you want to come back? You know. Uh, you could come back and have a bad year, but what's he done? You know, he's come back and have an even better year. But uh, I don't know. He's played a lot of football, a lot of college football. And he's like I said, he's had to overcome some injuries, lots of uh, different types of ailments and injuries. And uh, uh, we haven't talked about that, though. What do you make of those remarks? Uh, some were like, well, he talked about injuries and he's played a lot of football. 
So that means that he's basically telling you without telling you that he's gone. But then in the other hand of the equation, he says, you know, this time a year ago, people were saying he shouldn't come back because, you know, the stock's not going to get better. He's already, you know, how how much better is he going to play? And he has been better. So I I don't think Dylan Gabriel's Oklahoma's quarterback next season. I don't either. But what do you make of those remarks? I thought it was great coach speak. And I think that was, uh, to me, an incredible sign of how Brent Venables is really, really getting comfortable in this role as a head coach. Where he took the question is like, oh, we haven't talked about that. Well, last year this time, everyone was saying he should go. Came back, it was even better. Dude's also fun. I just felt as if every single box where they've gone through, if they've gone through this, right, and every decision I've ever made in life, I'm a big list guy. Here's the pros, here's the cons. When we decided to move our family to Norman and now the beautiful community of Goldsby in Washington, Oklahoma, there was a list that said pros and there was a list that said cons. And even though the list was fairly even, in the end you look at the pros and it's like, those are pretty good pros, right? And I think if you're making a list of pros and cons for Dylan Gabriel as far as turning pro and not using a seventh year of eligibility, I think those pros would outweigh the cons. Now, you've got a big quarterback class, we think, coming out this year. But you've also got a chance – you've also got a chance to be – I don't want to say promised something, but every you talk to anybody that covers college football or covers the NFL and the scouting side of it. When I say Dylan Gabriel to the National Football League, you know what their instant reaction is? Man, he'd be a great fit in Miami. And not just because it's a left-handed quarterback. Similar size, similar skill set to Tua. Probably would be great in Mike McDaniel's offense. Their backup quarterback situation, a little bit better this year with Mike White. Skylar Thompson is still there. But I just – I saw this earlier. Oh, here it is. It's from Chapstick. Right? There's a point where every college student is ready to be done with college. Everyone has to start their real life at some point. That's where I've always thought Dylan Gabriel has been. Now, we can play our scenarios out all you want. But to me – this is Jackson Arnold's team going into the SEC. And it was a great question. I don't know who asked the question or I'd give him full credit. But it's like, hey, knowing you're going into the SEC next year, I mean, have you had those conversations with Dylan Gabriel about maybe coming back for another season? I mean, what if he comes back and gets hurt? I mean, there's all these things. How old is Dylan? Isn't Dylan like 23 anyway? Yeah, he, he's an older, older quarterback. Uh, as Jimmy Norton would say, he's an older gentleman. But uh, 22. He's 22 years old. He's going to turn 23 next month. So he'd, he'd be 24 at the end of next season. I mean, I think, I think it's kind of obvious. Yeah. But he said he hasn't talked to him about it, so I just kind of think it's, it's – And, and no. you, you don't force a productive quarterback like that out. No, it's like make your mind up. Uh, that's a good one from Squirrel. DG would be a good fit in the San Francisco 49ers offensive scheme. And – I don't know what his NFL prospects look like or if he'll make it in the NFL, but look around at some of the backup quarterbacks in the league. You don't think he's every bit as good as Gardner Minshew? Telling me he can't do what Taylor Heineke has done or Tyler Heineke, whatever his name is? Telling me he couldn't be 
like an Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell was clown coming out of college. And now look at him. He's starting quarterback for one of the best teams in the NFL. Red hot. Red stinking hot. Even though all five of our wins are over the five worst teams in the NFL. Hey, it don't matter. Um, All right. Here was uh, then the, the, the red shirt conversation on Jackson Arnold. Okay. So from DG to Jackson Arnold. Here's what Brent Venable said about that conversation that I guess you could say decision. To redshirt. To redshirt. And a lot of that is the course of the season and how things have gone. And and you're always trying to be mindful of that of every player. And sometimes you can um, potentially, uh, you know, do it. And then sometimes, you, hey, that was the plan. And then there's disaster uh, happens. And then you got to make a hard right-hand turn. And so, you know, you're always looking at plan A, plan B, and best-case scenario, worst-case scenario. Uh, but he's still been able to take all the, you know, uh, you know, the reps, um, just in case, you know, uh, something unforeseen happens. And so to, so he can stay ready. He's had tremendous growth and maturity. Uh, you know, we give him a ton of reps. We do a lot of good on good. And, uh, you know, we don't hold back. Oh, okay, well, Jackson's in. Let's, let's make it easy on him. That's not what we do. No, we don't make it harder. We just do what we do. And, uh, and it's all hard. And, uh, but he's responded. He has a wonderful attitude. Uh, about all of it, you know, he sees the growth in himself, uh, tremendous, tremendous growth and maturity, both as a young person and then uh, as a as a leader and as a football player. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, Jeff has done a great job having uh, him in a great mindset and uh, and having him continue to, to work and stay hungry and driven. And so he doesn't spend any less time, you know, here. Uh, he spends, you know, uh, a lot of extra time uh, staying ready and just continue to develop himself. There you mm-hmm. go. One more on Dylan. <laughs> One more on Jackson. I thought this was a good question, too. I thought this was a good question, too. Is there any, I don't know, the term would be regret, but knowing that Jackson Arnold is set up to be the starting quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners in their first year in arguably the most challenging conference in all of college football. Is there any maybe second-guessing of the decision to not use him more or give him more opportunities in games to get his feet wet? I don't think we have any regret, and and I don't think we do anything different to develop him. I think you just you have a process in how you develop and coach and bring him along, help him mature and uh, everything again has its time. You know, we're uh, we're not good enough to to look ahead like that, you know. So he's got to be prepared at each and every week to play the schedule uh, that we have right now and uh, cuz he still is our our backup quarterback. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, anything else really catch your attention? I got like a ton of stuff here. The goal line stand. He what? Jenny asked him about the tiebreaker in the Big Twelve, which yeah, now is uh, especially funny. fitting. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the Sawchuck conversation I thought was pretty good, but uh, those two were the the big headliners for me. Dylan Gabriel, is he coming back? Mm-hmm. Is that uh, is there any pathway? I thought it was a good question from Curtis Fitzpatrick. And then Jackson Arnold. Why, why is he redshirting and what's the plan there? And I'll trust 
Brent Venables and Jeff Levy, but that they've got a plan for how they're attacking it. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't be uh, my approach with Jackson Arnold, but what do I know? Yep. All right, quick break to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line next, right here on the Home of Sooner Fan. Allison Insurance brings us hour number two of the Plank Show. Josh Elmer alongside, well, Chris Plank. And again, this is the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. We're back, baby. Fitty Clint from UConn. What will be OU's biggest challenge Saturday? I Can I just, just point something out real quick before I answer Fitty's from UConn's tweet? It brings me so much joy when you play Jason Mraz. I love me some Jason Mraz. Is there anything more early 2000s than that? No. Let's go. No, there's not. OU's biggest challenge Saturday is Oklahoma. Don't turn the football over. Don't make mistakes. Don't commit penalties. I was thinking the exact same thing. And it – look, I mean, it says what we think about BYU, right? That right. basically nothing that they present is worthy enough of you and I to sit here and say, well, this is what we're worried about with BYU. It's – don't let BYU have a chance in this football game. And That's right. Don't let what Brent Venables was talking about in the press conference, that they're pretty good turnover margin at home. Don't do not do what you did these last couple of road games and mm-hmm. start yakking on yourself and coughing the football up. Agreed. Where are we going next? Loco, Ohio, out of the 918. Uh, if this was a Senate hearing, OU and Texas would tell the Big 12 to stand, uh, stand there, you know what, up then. <laughs> Not to get political, but if you all didn't realize that Mark Wayne Mullen, if he wanted to, would have twisted that guy into a pretzel, you're crazy. <laughs> you're absolutely crazy. He he would have taken his arm and put it behind his neck and his leg and put it. My man is a bad you-know-what. But that's not what this is about. No, no, of course not. Uh, that would be kind of funny, though. You need it. Uh, Joe C., Brett Yormack, stand up. Stand your butt up. Let's go. Let's go. Starts taking his ring off. Let's go. <laughs> and then all this. Who would be the person? Who would be the uh, Bernie Sanders that could slow him down? It had to be uh, Bob Bowlesby. Now, gentlemen, gentlemen, you stop it. Meanwhile, Joe C's coming over the thing to get after him. In your Mark's office, which has the Joe C darts board. <laughs> right, exactly. Sing it to John. Uh, there's a simple way to settle this Big 12 championship game tiebreaker controversy. Choose the two highest rated teams by an average of the two major polls. You know, I, I, I really had sold you guys changed my mind. Now that's I know I know on a on a regular basis I say on this program I'm not gonna be able to change the way you think. Right? But I hope hopefully we'll give you at least some well thought out different ways of looking at it. Literally, I, whoever was on the text line changed my way of thinking. Because does it make sense in a three-team tie that the team that's won over the other two teams would get the nod? Sure. But yet, everyone doesn't play everyone. Oklahoma State didn't play Texas. And it could be argued, it could be argued, Josh Helmer, that in getting all four of the new schools, even though Oklahoma State just got smoked by one of them, you got about as soft of a schedule as you could get, right? And 
the Kansas State game, I'm not taking anything away from. That was a great performance by Oklahoma State. And Kansas State played terrible. Nice win over OU. Right, beat OU. But it, it kind of changed my mindset on it a little bit to where, sure, don't lose to two bad teams, but everyone doesn't play everyone. Yeah. The, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State Kansas did State, not play Texas. Oklahoma and Kansas State both had to play Texas. Can't, Oklahoma State did not. So – uh, I, I'm I'm re-engineering my third of four points about the tiebreaker conversation. Uh, if you missed it, they got it right eventually. That's why I'm putting the question mark. And the second, don't lose. The third, we are talking about a scenario that might not happen. In the fourth, none of this should should surprise you. Thirty for thirty, the Red River screw job. Can't wait to see it. That's from Jesse G. <laughs> You'll like this one, Camo Sooner. I've got it, Plank. Your mark is Vince McMahon. The other Big 12 teams and Big 12 refs are Shawn Michaels. OU is Bret Hart. Would that make any sense to you at all? No, I, I got no idea what that means. <laughs> I, I, I got the Vince McMahon portion, but the other sides of it, I, I, I don't know. I, don't I, know. I, will say, I will say to Camo Sooner, I think Dallas Bill was first in with the Montreal screw job conversation. I liked this uh, from Whose Line Is It Anyway, 405. Welcome to the Big 12 where the rules are made up and the points don't matter. Well, I mean, they got it right eventually, did they? Did Oklahoma State have to play Texas? Because OU and Kansas State did. Did they get it right? Did, did Kansas State and Oklahoma get to play all four of the new teams in the Big 12 that don't really seem to have a good grip on things? I don't know. And, you know, again, it, it does boil down to you didn't get the pass interference call on Drake Stoop, sure, but don't don't have the snap fumbles that you had versus Oklahoma State and Bedlam. Don't be ultra-conservative late in the contest versus Kansas. <laughs> Oklahoma had this thing in their hands, and they they put it in the judges' hands. Yeah, and by the way, that's a really – Oklahoma didn't have to play Kansas State either. And Kansas State's balling right now. You know, it's just – can't put it in the judge's hand. I, I got one more that I want to read here before we break. If OU th- fans think officiating in the SEC is going to be any different, they are delusional. Don't think for a minute that the SEC won't protect their sacred cow slash charter members. I don't think they will. I don't either. Now, you uh, pin that text. Right. Hold on Save that it, one. screenshot it, however we put it on a sticky note, as Teddy likes to say. But uh, I don't think that will be true. And yet – I'm listening. Uh, we can revisit down the road. Oh, gosh, there's so many, so many good texts that just popped in on this. Uh, Frisco Sooner writes, does Keen Slovis being back pose any major problem in you guys' opinion? Yeah. Um, no. Uh, here's one from Fiddy Clint. In, uh, well, hold on. We just read that one. Um, the 480. Is it true? If Texas, OU, OSU, and Kansas State went out, that Kansas State is in the championship game, crazy and unfair if true. In that case, OSU should go with head-to-head. Boomer. Uh, we're not doing this, uh, 4-0, I really appreciate the text from Chandler, Arizona. Figuring out the tiebreaker scenarios and what happens is for 6 to 9 a.m. right here on The Ref, in case you didn't. You, text that to Toby tomorrow morning. He'll love to hear from you. He would love to. That's his favorite thing to talk about right now. Uh, all right, quick break. When we come back right here on the Home of Sooner Fans, I I have one more thing from Brent Venables that I wanted to get to from yesterday's press conference. It's about the freshmen, one of my favorite topics, and we'll get into it next on The Ref. 
So the question was asked of Brent Venables yesterday. How, how impressed have you been with the freshmen? We saw Samuel Masigo, uh, Lewis Carter got some time on Saturday. Jacoby Johnson had the interception. And Brent's basically saying, I like your list, but let me add some more. Yeah, and then there's several others. Peyton Bowen has been uh, another one along with them, freshmen that have really uh, excelled in the special teams and have done a nice job when they've gotten in. I think that's an important uh, part of their their growth and maturity. Certainly that's the challenge day one that we give uh, the freshmen. If you want to establish yourself, you find a way to bring value to the team, you know, you in order to, to make the uh, the roster for a travel uh, uh, an away game, you got to be able to be a a dude on special teams, and um, so uh, starts with attitude, and then being a detailed guy, and then having a bad case of the wants. Man, that's what it's all about: showing up every day with gratefulness, and uh, because you you've got very limited time, special teams. Uh, they don't get as much time, you know, to work on their craft. So in the small windows that you have every day, you've got to do a great job, show that you're accountable and reliable, dependable, and that you like what you're doing. That shows uh, tremendously, you know, in special teams and then being coachable, just like you are at your position. So I think it really help, helps uh, expedite their growth and maturity uh, to becoming more reliable, accountable players as well. There's a direct correlation, you know, between those. And then as coaches, like, boy, every time he gets in, look what he does. And that's what RJ uh, did. Uh, and he did it last year. And so we, w- you want to find as many opportunities as you can to affirm guys that are, are really good role players. They only get 12 additional snaps, but look what they did. Look at the production. Look at the grade. Look at the, um, you know, Again, the work that they put on the field, the strain, and look how it affected the field position in the game. We had a short field all day. Whatever that is, you want to affirm them um, both personally and then certainly in front of the team and trying to create buy-in from everybody uh, that way. But those guys have really shown that they're going to be excellent players um, both now and in the future. That's good stuff. And and I, I want a question for you, Josh Helmer. Okay. Last year – there was a certain amount of frustration and consternation amongst the Sooner Nation. Young guys didn't play. Ding, ding, ding. Do you think Oklahoma's done a better job of that this year? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that they've made a point to do that. And also, I just think they just feel this group is more ready to be impactful straight away. Exactly. They, they've recruited to where... They've got a crop of guys that can go out and make plays. P.J. Adebare is – Adebaware. Adebaware. Sorry. I don't even know if that's right, to be honest with you. Yeah, and, and I'm – Adebare is how I'm going to pronounce it going forward. So. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I ref- he's, he's very specific about it. I Don't play the clip for me. What's going to happen if he transfers because Josh Helmer didn't say his name right? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well <laughs> – that that that'll be, be like something. Ba- you'd that'll be, like, be my cross to bear. You'd be like Barry Trammell calling the Big Twelve to point <laughs> I, out the tiebreaker. I know it's my fault. <laughs> uh, bottom line is, okay, five star kid, right? Has played some, but hasn't played every single snap. So you would think if you're just in the business of just playing freshman to play freshman, he'd be one of the first guys that would see thirty snaps a game, right? Right. But instead, it's it's gone a different direction, and the guys that are ready are playing. And at times he's been that guy, and at other other times he hasn't. And 
part of it has been the product of some of some of these games, right? You can get a few more freshmen in when you're up 50 to 20 or when you're doing what Oklahoma did on Saturday night to West Virginia as well. And I I think we've seen guys like like Adebayo and and others that they've earned the opportunity, right? Peyton Bowen, I'll tell you what, Peyton Bowen's been hurt or I think he would be playing a lot more than he is right now. Well, he and was I, early in the year. And I feel like it's a pretty deep secondary, at least safety-wise. You're seeing uh, Josiah Wagner and Makari Vickers being pressed into action a little bit because of the injury situation that's been there at the at the uh, cornerback position. Right? That's the only troubling, big-time troubling thing of the young guys in the defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. None of them have been able to stay healthy. That's right. None of them. It's unfortunate. But going forward, going forward, I would think that, you know, now you've got – I don't know about you guys, but – and you can call me Homer if you want. That's fine. I'll wear it. But I just – I feel like as confident as I was in the freshman last year, dude, I feel really good about the foundation that will be there going forward. Now, you're stepping up a level, Right. You're stepping up a level. But in that, I'm excited about those youngsters and what they have shown. Outside of the health, that cornerback position. That's going to be a ch- – And safety. And safety. We're, uh, I, I, I think OU is going to be fairly active at corner in the portal. I think corner and this, this wide receiver out of A&M, I like him a lot. Wouldn't mind seeing him in crimson and cream. All right, quick break. Top five stories of the day coming up in a full final hour next on The Ref.